You're listening to Greater LA from KCRW, the show that connects you with the people, the places, and the presence of Southern California. Hey there, I'm Steve Chiatakis. With Hanukkah here and Christmas a week from Monday, you very well may be wrapping some gifts. But chances are that wrapping paper you're using isn't recyclable, and it often ends up in a landfill. There is, however, an eco-friendlier option, an ancient tradition that's getting some 21st century attention. Let's start with the small one. At the Craft Contemporary Museum in L.A.'s Miracle Mile, Tomoko Dayan is teaching about a dozen people the Japanese art of wrapping gifts in fabric. It's called furoshiki. There's no tying involved, so it's pretty simple. Imade Dayan uses fabric to create simple but elegant bundles for boxes, for fruits, and for bottles. Could a little practice with cloth free you from the wasteful rolls of wrapping paper and scotch tape? KCRW's Megan Jamerson picks it up from here. Tomogo Diane takes yellow fabric dotted with orange flowers and finishes it with a bow tie in the front. And then you hold it on top of the bottle and then do the second knot. It's clearly a wine bottle, but as one participant puts it, So much more elegant than a paper bag. Diane is from Tokyo, but calls L.A. home. She does PR for Japanese restaurants. She told the class that in Japan, furoshiki was kind of considered old-fashioned. It made her think of grandma's house. But it's getting popular again. Because all the foreigners come to Japan and then get the furoshiki. <laughs> and everybody started asking, like, how do we use it? Furoshiki dates back more than 1,000 years ago in Japan. The word does not mean gift wrap or anything like it. Furo uh, of furoshiki is bath. Shiki is a sheet. Yes, a bath sheet. Irene Tsukada Simonian owns the little Tokyo gift shop Bunkado. And she says back in the day, only the wealthiest Japanese had their own bathtubs at home. So most Japanese people went to a public bath. So you would go to public bath and you brought the furoshiki with you and you would use the cloth to put down and you'd stand on it and then you would wrap your own clothes with it while you bathed and you brought your um, bathing equipment there, here and, you know, there and back. So furoshiki started as a way to carry your toiletries to and from the bathhouse and over hundreds of years, it evolved into something so much more. It's, you know, kind of like the anti-plastic bag. Um, it's reusable. Hannah Vandersturp runs the gift shop at the Craft Contemporary Museum, which sells furoshiki cloth imported from Japan. And they're just, you know, you can do almost anything with them. I've used them as scarves. Um, I've used them as bandanas. People come in to buy them as dinner napkins, so that's like another disposable item that they're replacing with it. Vandersturr says her Japanese mother frequently wrapped different items in cloth. When Vandersturr recently saw a book on the practice, she thought it would be a great fit for the museum store. She was right. Well, largely because of the beautiful textiles and we do, you know, and the, and the craft history behind the textiles, the fact that it's cross-cultural, and then, of course, the fact that it's sustainable, you know, and it's like an eco-conscious um, idea that... I think a lot of people are really ready to embrace. Sukada Simonian is also noticing more gift shop customers asking about the cloth. She says interest picked up about seven years ago. Customers are a wide range of um, 
traditional Japanese customers from Japan who just have to have it because they have their traditional purpose of using furoshiki to people who are um, just intrigued because they learned about it for the first time and they have to have something like that. She sells many different options, from darker colored fabric for wrapping funeral urns to cheerful designs with cats that can be used for gifts or to carry items. She welcomes the interest in the tradition, and she appreciates that Japanese culture is becoming part of a broader eco-friendly movement. I've always been impressed and proud of the fact that uh, there's a whole movement that goes on for centuries to recycle, to reuse, to mend and fix things, um, repurpose things. And the mantra in Japan is motainai, or don't be motainai. And that literally means don't be wasteful. Back at the Furoshiki workshop, participants say this is a great way to avoid things like disposable wrapping paper and plastic bags. Kristen De La Torre is practicing the top knot on a box. She came to the workshop with the plan to wrap her holiday gifts this way. But now, you know, being able to put a couple of these into my bag and always having something when I go to the grocery store or go shopping. So I'm really excited about kind of the either upcycling things or, you know, recycling, you know. Um, Any so. kind of cloth can be used to wrap in the furoshiki style. The cloth itself doesn't have to come from Japan which gives you another way to keep things out of landfills, says Sukada Simonian. So that's why things like the furoshiki that can be reused and that whole movement of using less, uh, reuse things, um, has gotten much more important for all of us. And avoiding waste during the holidays is the kind of gift anyone can give to the planet. For KCRW, I'm Megan Jamerson. More of Greater LA coming up on KCRW. Introducing the KCRW Donation Car, designed to be recycled. This first-of-its-kind vehicle will save you time, space, and hassle by disappearing. Enjoy the luxury and comfort of turning your underused car into a donation worth hundreds, even thousands of dollars. The KCRW Donation Car, already in your garage, driveway, or on cinder blocks outside your house. Act now at kcrw.com cars. Tomorrow on Greater L.A., mourning the loss of a longtime Jewish bakery in the Fairfax district. Maybe a Hanukkah miracle, too? That's tomorrow on GLA. Right now, we move on with today's show about a sustainable holiday. As you just heard, changing up your wrapping habits is one way to cut down on holiday waste. Another way is to rethink what should actually go inside those wrapped packages by buying those presents secondhand, or if you're the crafty type, making those presents by hand. Raina Purchase is co-owner of Amiga's Thrift over in El Sereno, and Tobin Nichols joins us from Remainder's Creative Reuse, a used arts and crafts supply shop 
over in Pasadena. Thanks to you both for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. Raina, I know y'all have been putting together a guide to thrift gifting over at Amiga. Why do you think more people should be buying gifts secondhand? Well, first, to save on waste. There's just so much of everything out there. So not only saving our planet, but, I mean, saving some money for sure. Do you think there's a stigma, like, giving something secondhand? Like, does it, you know, like, giving something that's not in a brand-new box or, you know, something that looks, like, in plastic or whatever? And and I say this as somebody who, I love the idea of a secondhand gift. I think there used to be. And I think you're still going to find some people who are not on board with secondhand. But thrifting now is such a huge way of life. Even the kids nowadays who were so embarrassed to wear secondhand, they want to go thrifting. Tobin, I know that uh, crafting is also something that's really cool. You you deal with reuse stuff as well at, at your place over in Pasadena. Um, talk about reuse and reusing things. It's in your name. Well, our entire mission, Steve, is reuse and keeping things out of the landfill. We are looking at about 10,000 pounds a month at this point that we are donated between individuals and companies going out of business and the film studios here in LA. So we are trying to get that stuff out of the landfill into the hands of people who can use it, including teachers, artists, and students. But a great thing around this time of year is that we also have classes where you can make a gift that has a lot of meaning to it. It's something that you've made with your own hands and something that someone can enjoy and appreciate. So is it? are you using used things to make things for people to make new things exactly it's called upcycling and reuse so everything that comes in we use in another way or we use it the way it was intended but it's not something that someone had to purchase new so not only can you get interesting gifts there you can make a gift for someone and it's all about sort of the meaning that goes behind it yeah it sounds like there's a there's a connection that you make right not only with the gift but with the person that you're giving it to and it makes you feel like you know hey yeah i really thought about you this time i i made something i saw something that you would really like and there is that sort of that that personalized connection um reina what are a few tips that you have to to find that nice giftable item that that someone would would enjoy you definitely have to know who you're shopping for but something as easy as buying a jean jacket that's thrifted and upcycling it like tobin was saying you know you can make it your own you can add things to it and take pieces apart and really you can find anything even something simple like for a cook or something you can you can thrift a vintage cookbook. There's so many little options. And then you can add something on the side if you feel like, well, I don't really want to just give them a thrifted gift. I feel kind of bad buying them secondhand. Then add a little, you know, add some spoons or, you know, something that would go along with the gift, a bottle of wine. How about putting, and, and you mentioned this, you know, making like bundles, right? Like, is that something that people are doing now too? I mean, I'm doing that for plenty of people in my family this year. I hope they appreciate it. But yes, putting, you know, you know that somebody loves books. Books are so easy and so affordable to thrift. I think people are really kind of scared of not being able to find things. So they don't want to do it. But there's so much out there that all you have to do is know what that person likes and just just go for it. But you know what's easy for people that you're really kind of unsure of and which I'm also doing myself is... You know, it's easy to thrift baskets and 
vintage tins or like just any kind of tin box. Things that I could add, I could just bake some cookies really quick, buy some candies, line the, you know, you clean it out, obviously, line it with some parchment paper, and that's a really great gift. And maybe not cookies, maybe a craft item or items you put in such a tin or a tin that you make yourself. Ornaments are great uh, right? to do handmade crafting. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm crafting as well. Me and my partner, Carrie, love to craft. And I've been to rem- Remainders. I love it there. So I know well, there's gonna so many things that you can find. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Tobin, so you have room for one more? <laughs> of course, we have room for a million more. And Raina makes a great point in that if you're getting someone a gift, it's probably someone you know, it might be someone you work with, but you at least know what their interests are. So if you can find one thing that they might like, and then add some other things into it in a basket or a bundle, or like like she said, a tin, we have a million tins. Um, that's something that they will really think is special because you thought of them and they know that you know what they like. So, you know, that goes hand in hand also with making things. At Remainders, we're not just a thrift store. We also offer classes upstairs in our creative space. And a lot of those classes are super low effort, really easy classes. We want you to be able to make something and leave with it by the end of class. So I, I'm, I'm keen on that, you know, low, low effort or <laughs> someone, who's not, someone who's not very crafty, right? Like, is there an easy something that you can make for somebody as a holiday gift? Here's how we approach everything at Remainders in our classes. It is, there are no expectations. I say that when I teach the classes, I say it right off the top of the bat. There's no expectations. Whatever you make, you make. You grab materials that you are drawn to. You respond to those materials and you make something. You don't give it a lot of extra thought because that's what trips people up. I I wonder, Tobin, if, uh, and I'm going to ask you the same question that I asked Raina at the beginning is, is there that stigma, you know, that, that someone needs to unwrap something shiny and new, something wrapped in plastic, something, you know, that, that even has that outgassing gas, smell, you know, like, <laughs> like it's right. I mean, we love new cars, right? Yes. Because it has that smell, but it, actually those are chemicals that you probably shouldn't breathe in. But you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like, that's what we remember about Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever it may be. And maybe there's a different way of doing it. Well, I can give you a big tip. Everybody brace yourselves. This is a huge tip. Uh, When you find something at the thrift store that you like to give to somebody, wash it and clean it. And maybe even spray it with something nice so that it has more of a smell that you would like someone to smell rather than that sort of thrift store smell, which is something we absolutely have. If you come into Remainders, you'll find anything and everything. Our motto is it's here somewhere because it is. But most things that you get donated to you have been in people's garages or their basements or their attics. And so they do take on a little bit of a smell, but spiffing it up a little bit, cleaning it, putting a bow on it, you'll make it look brand new, especially if you wrap it in something nice. Raina, are you at all offended by the term thrift store smell? No, no. I I mean, I'm a thrifter. I shouldn't be offended by it. But I, you know, it's like you said, that the, 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 that new car smell, it's the chemicals. And for thrift stores, it's like, ooh, I want that old attic. You smell it and you're like, yes, I'm in the right spot. I'm going to find something good now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the musty smell, the smell of the smell of history. Yes, but you should wash all the stuff. 
Good advice all. I really appreciate it. Tobin Nichols, Director of Education and Development over at Remainders Creative Reuse. Raina Purchase, co-owner of Amiga's Thrift in El Sereno. And by the way, you can find a guide with all of their tips and our tips, too, for sustainable gifting at our website, kcrw.com slash GLA. Thanks to you both. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. And thank you. Happy holidays, guys. Onward now with Greater LA from KCRW. I'm Steve Chiotakis. So, you heard about how to wrap sustainably. You learned how to turn thrifted gifts into new treasure. And how about making your whole holiday celebration a little more climate-friendly? Reducing that Yuletide carbon footprint. Well, KCRW's Kaylee Wells is here with a bunch of ideas to help you with that as well. Hey, Kaylee. Hey, Steve. Just how big an issue is this, by the way? I mean, I feel like the trash can is filled to the brim during the holidays, or I empty it out a lot during the holidays. What's going Mm -hmm. on? Well, it's not just you. Uh, Between Thanksgiving and New Year's, the waste in the U.S. increases by about 25%. By a quarter? Yeah. Wow. All right, I guess the question is, what's in those trash bins? I mean, besides the the non-recyclable wrapping paper, which, you know, hopefully you've already solved. Sure. But it's still it's still stuff because, you know, the season in the U.S. is built on consuming stuff. And there's all the packaging that your items come in and the shipping materials that they're shipped in or the old thing that the new thing replaced. Or maybe it's some tacky ornament that you didn't want anyway or all those leftovers that you couldn't get through. All of that's the kind of stuff going in the bin. But but what do you do instead, I guess, is the question. I mean, my mom's not going to be happy if I just you know, don't do anything for her for Christmas. I want to do something for her, and you want to do something for your family members, for your friends. How do you do that sustainably? Yeah, sure. I totally get that. I've got four nieces who would not be very um, forgiving if I decided, you know, hey, for the planet, you're not going to get a gift this year. (laughs) So I totally get it. Um, This year, instead of me buying them stuff, we're doing a thing together. It's this whole, like, you buy someone an experience. So in three weeks, we're all going to go to a rock climbing gym near where they live, and that's their gift. There's no packaging. There's no clutter. There's just this experience that we're going to do together. Um, I talked to a sustainable living educator, Sarah Robertson Barnes, and she said, yeah, she is all about it now that her kids are both preteens. I've asked for a season's pass to the amusement park near us uh, for the grandparents to all pool in on that um, rather than, you know, random stuff that they're not going to use or look at again or or remember. But every time we do the activity, hey, remember Grammy and Grandpa got this for Christmas? Isn't that awesome? Yeah, that's nice. Experience over gift. And, you know, I've taken my mom to the Grand Canyon and stuff like that. But I don't think my mom's going to want to go rock climbing or maybe to Six Flags to ride a roller coaster. So, I mean, how do you do do that, especially when she lives out of state? I mean, I'm going to send her something. Yeah, for sure. I totally get that. And for the adults in my life who live out of state, this is where I've gifted donations or memberships, things like that. So, you know, like a couple years ago, I gifted my in-laws this donation to this group that's restoring the Great Barrier Reef because it's dying out because of climate change. And I adopted them a new piece of coral, and then they got a little adoption certificate, and I named it, and I presented them with a a fake coral ornament. And so then every year when they pull out Carl the Coral, they think of the (laughs) coral that they adopted. (laughs) Carl the Coral? Did you really, Kaylee? I did. I did. And I feel no shame. (laughs) Don't shame me. And then, um, (laughs) you know, for, for my mom, this year I got her this thing called... Storyworth, where like every week she gets a prompt to write about 
for something that happened in her life. And she does that for a year. And then at the end of the year, the company puts it into a book that we'll all get to enjoy. Then, you know, my husband's uncle last year got us a membership to Huntington Gardens over in San Marino. And we've gone like six times this year for free. And every time I go there, I think of him. So like, again, no clutter, no packaging. It it solves all those problems. All right. So the gifts are covered. Experience over mm. gift gifts. Here's another one that I've always wondered. Yeah. And, and, you know, this time of year, obviously the big question, fake tree or real tree? I have a fake tree personally, but which way should it go? And, and I have a friend, by the way, with a live tree in a pot. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the best. If you can do one of those living trees, then you're not killing anything. And you get all the benefits that come with a real tree. But the, the sort of blanket answer, and I know this is hard for you and I who live in big buildings, the answer is real tree. And I asked Candace Dickens Russell to explain it to me. She is an environmental educator and she is CEO of Friends of the LA River. You know, trees offer ecosystem services. They sequester carbon, they capture water, they provide oxygen, they provide habitat. And a real tree is doing all of those things the whole time it's growing in a farm, as opposed to a fake tree that is made of plastic made probably not by people who should be making these trees. It's a lot of young people, children in factories making these horrible things with all these chemicals. And then it gets on a slow boat to get to you. So no question. So she's saying, Kaylee, even though you cut it down, the tree, while it's alive, is doing all those positive things for planet Earth. Right. In the time it took before it got cut down, it was doing all the good things that trees do. But fake trees don't do any of those things. And the fake trees are traveling probably from the other side of the world. If you want to be an extra credit student and you know you're living in Southern California, you should probably try and buy a tree that's grown locally. And that means you don't go to the Home Depot tree lot near you and buy the noble fir because that probably got shipped from the Pacific Northwest. So go for something like a Monterey pine, which, by the way, because it's not traveling as far, it's less expensive. So kind of a win-win. And it smells good, too. How about that? That's oh, always the plus about a real tree. I agree. The other thing, Kaylee, that ends up in the trash, maybe a few days after the holidays, whatever holiday you, you're celebrating, is the food, the leftovers, right after the big dinner. And I, I imagine this is a case of being more creative with the leftovers. Am I right? Yes, especially if your goal here is to just reduce the amount of waste going into your trash. Yeah, be more creative I know someone who, for a seven-person Thanksgiving, got a 14-pound bird. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't bake cookies for the sake of having an endless supply of cookies. You can just have a batch or two and call it. But even more important than all those things for the climate is think of the impact of the foods that you're serving. So, like, one of the biggest climate decisions we make every day is what we eat. And the best thing you can do is not put meat on the table. The second best thing you can do, for those of us who aren't willing to do that, is put less meat on the table. So beef is by far the worst, followed by pork and lamb, followed by chicken and turkey. So if you're deciding between a steak and a bird, put a bird on the table and let the vegetable side dishes just be the stars of your meals. Like you don't need to put bacon on the green bean casserole or in the mashed potatoes. Just let them be the amazing plants that they are. All food for thought, you see. Hey. KCRW's Kaylee Wells reporting for us on the environment and sustainability. Kaylee, as always, thank you. Anytime, Steve. That's going to do it for us this evening. I can tell you, my Greek-American mother, no lamb at Christmas? (laughs) No, not going to fly. Trust me. Coming up in just a moment, it is Today Explained. Three elite university presidents walk into Congress for a hearing on anti-Semitism. Well, only two of them still have their jobs. What happened and how did we get here? 
Day Explained next on KCRW. Tomorrow on GLA, as you light your sixth candle of Hanukkah tonight, longtime customers are mourning the loss of a Jewish bakery on Fairfax, one that's been around since the 1940s. That's tomorrow on the show, online, anytime at kcrw.com slash GLA. And while you're there, think about a contribution to KCRW, a place where you belong, whether it be the music programs and the shows, culture, podcasts, weekly dives into food and culture. This is a place that belongs to you during our season of giving back, kcrw.com slash give. And thank you so much. We do appreciate it. Juliana Mayo, Zoe Matthew, Kelsey Gante, Eddie Sun, Sonia Geis, Ray Guarna, Sue Margulies, Phil Richards, Amy Ta, Carlos Ramirez, Michael Vogel, and Christian Bordal all helped in putting the show together this evening. I'm Steve Chiantakis. Thanks for that ear. Bye-bye. <laughs>